The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. I, like uh, Darren said, Pastor Darren said, I'll be preaching about the gospel. And, of course, this is the, you know, just the most important subject in Christianity. So, thank you, Darren. (laughs) (laughs) But the big idea behind uh, my sermon today is I want you to know what you believe, what we're here for, what our lives are based on if we know Christ. And... So if you'll flip to the next slide quick, I, I was a Boy Scout growing up uh, from Tiger Cubs to Cubs to Weeblos to Boy Scouts, and then uh, I moved back to America. I lived in South Korea at the time and uh, kind of got out of it. But how many of you were Boy Scouts here growing up? Yeah, it's quite a few. Uh, as you know, the Boy Scout motto is be prepared, and so that stuck with me all my life. You'll see this guy, he's prepared for battle, whatever, <laughs> and the Boy Scout model has never failed him yet, so um, in Missouri, we have a lot to be prepared for because we have four seasons, so every season, we have something to be prepared for, so if you flip to the next slide, in winter, we have snow, so this may be a little overkill for what we get around here, <laughs> but <laughs> that would do the job, in the spring, we have thunderstorms and rain. Again, a little overkill. <laughs> in the summer, who wouldn't want a mower like this? You could mow your yard in about <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> and then lastly, we have the fall where we can recruit our kids to blow the, the leaves away. <laughs> so in the Bible, we also uh, read about being ready and being ready with the gospel. So I'm going to read, and it's up on the screen, First uh, Peter 3. 15 through 17, which says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil." And in some uh, translations, it says, be ready in season and out of season in this translation. So we need to be ready with the gospel, with the hope that is in us. And so the third mark of the healthy church after expository preaching and biblical theology is the gospel. So today I'd like to, from 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 through 11, tell you about four defenses of the gospel, along with the four seasons that I just showed you. The first one is be ready to defend your salvation. Second is be ready to defend the death of Christ for our sins. The third is be ready to defend the burial of Christ. And the fourth is be ready to defend the resurrection of Christ. And you'll see why these are important uh, as we go along. So if everyone could stand with me, and we'll read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Stand for the reading of God's word out of respect for for God. 
So now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that, was in me, that was, is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So uh, Darren shared with me right before uh, the sermon today, or the service today, that this was going to be their reading at the beginning of church, so he switched it to Isaiah 53, which is what I was going to read also in my sermon. So, <laughs> Great minds think alike. No, it's, it's the gospel, and it's in the Bible. Um, so with that, the next slide is our first point, which is be ready to defend your salvation. So this is really where knowing what you believe comes in, because how can you defend your salvation if you don't know what the gospel is? So we saw in the verse right there that the gospel was Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and was raised on the... Oh yeah, I'm sorry, you can be seated. (laughs) Can you tell I'm not used to this? Uh, (laughs) Uh, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried and was raised to dead on the third day according to the scriptures. And uh, he died for us, like it said, died for our sins when we were... When Christ came to earth, he was born the son of God and also man, lived a pure and innocent life and died for our sins as the only sacrifice that could be done for us. Um, Prior to Christ's death, when he sent out the um, disciples, as we've heard about in Mark, and I believe we'll hear about again, um, he sent them out to preach the gospel. Well, at that time, the gospel was the king, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And after Christ died and raised from the dead, now the kingdom of God is here. And that is why we are here, because we can know and share the gospel with others. So to know the gospel is important. Once you know it, you have to receive it, which is uh, verses kind of 1b and 3a. Uh, to Stand and accept the gospel is what we must do. So once you've heard it and you understand it in your head, you have to accept it. And once you accept it, you are saved by the gospel. Now, what are we saved from? Are we just saved from our our sins that we uh, did in the past? And then from there on forward, we stop sinning and we're saved? I wish that was the case, but generally we go on sinning and but we're saved by the grace of God, and we're saved from the wrath of God. Uh, I know all the Looney Tune cartoons show the devil and hell poking you with a pitchfork, but really hell is the full wrath of God with no chance of salvation. And that is what we are saved from. Once you're saved, 
by the gospel, you can take your stand on the gospel. And this is where we hope that other people come to you and ask you, well, why do you have this hope? Like uh, our, our first Peter said, people come to ask you what the reason is for your hope. So we're ready to defend the gospel, stand on it, and tell others what we believe. But before I get further into that, I want to uh, talk about God's grace, because Paul talks about it at the end of the end of the chapter we're looking at. The grace of God is what saves us. The gospel is what saves us, but the only way we can come to know and accept the gospel is by the grace of God. None of you who have believed in Jesus uh, did it of your own accord. You didn't go seeking God, and even if you did, that was God drawing you to him. Uh, it's kind of like he, there was a line of items going across, and he just plucks you out, but not, not really quite like that. He knew way before we were born that we would be following him, but we are saved without even knowing that we needed to be saved at the time. That's God's grace. Um, and lastly, I just if you switch the next slide, not lastly for the sermon, but lastly for this point. <laughs> uh, when I was little, uh, I came back. We, I, my parents were missionaries in Korea. That's why I was there. And we came back on furlough, which is what it's called at the time, um, for six months. And so during that time, we were at our house, and I, I built a fort in my backyard with a friend. And we, bu we put up chicken wire behind our garage and built little seats for us and got all sorts of defenses ready. Well, the problem was if you want to defend your fort, people have to be wanting to take your fort or even know about your fort. No one knew about our fort except the two of us. So we never had to defend it. But the gospel is different. or The gospel is actually similar to that in that no one's going to know about it unless you preach it. So my the next part of the first point is preach the gospel. And uh, an easy way to do this for those of you who have never shared the gospel before with someone or who just, like me, sometimes get nervous um, when you're talking to someone, you can, you can look in Romans. And there's a famous, uh, I'm sure many of you have learned this before, but a famous way to share the gospel called the Roman Road. And uh, you might want to write these verses down if you, ha if you don't know them already. I know if you're in Awana or teach Awana, you hear it all the time. But uh, I'll just re go through them really quick. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we know that everyone sinned. Everyone is a sinner. No one gets, away from, gets out of that except Jesus. Uh, all, when you sin, you deserve death. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows us his love in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He died for us, again, by his grace, even though we didn't deserve it. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 10, 9, and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So we see that we need to uh, know the gospel, receive the gospel, be saved by the gospel and by God's grace and preach the gospel. 
And when we preach the gospel, you can know that Jesus is Lord. Other people can know that Jesus is Lord. And if he's Lord, he's your master and you're his slave. If he's not your Lord, Satan is your master and you're his slave. So with that, let's move on to the next point, which is we need to be ready to defend the death of Christ for our sins. So someone asks you for the hope of your salvation, and they say, why is it important that Christ died for our sins? Well, some people believe he didn't. There is a, uh, it differs in the Muslim faith, but different Muslims believe that Jesus was either taken down from the cross and saved, or he was just switched with another person and everyone was fooled that it looked like Jesus, but it wasn't, and that he was taken away and lived a life and died as a prophet somewhere else. Uh, other people just don't believe that Christ died for our sins. Now, why would, what, what would happen if he didn't, if he didn't die for our sins? Well, that right there, he died for our sins, kind of, answers the question, we'd still be in our sins if he didn't die for our sins. Uh, if you look at, or I, I won't make you turn there, I think I've, I don't have it up there, but uh, Leviticus 1, 1 through 4, which Leviticus is a book that has a lot of the laws that God provided Moses, says, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall, accept, it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. So see, in that short passage, it says that when you bring your offering. So not if you bring an offering, but when. So at, at that time, we didn't have Jesus. Everyone who sinned, which as we learned just a second ago, was everyone, came and brought offerings to God to make atonement for their sins. And they had to keep and continue on doing it because those offerings were not perfect like Christ. So if he didn't die for our sins, we'd still have to do that. And there's no temple today. Uh, the next part of that verse says he died for our sins according to the scriptures or in accordance to the scriptures is what the English Standard Version says. So we see way back in Genesis when Adam and Eve first sinned, we know that Christ, or not Christ, sorry, <laughs> that God told Adam and Eve that the serpent would strike the heel of Adam and Eve's offspring and the uh, offspring would crush his head. And we see through the cross that Christ crushed the head of the serpent Satan and conquered death and sin. 700 years prior to the birth of Christ, Isaiah wrote Isaiah 53, which we read earlier. So I'll just go over the highlights. <laughs> um, we saw that he grew up as a man in Isaiah, uh, and he, was, he carried all our sins, even though he did not sin. Um, I'll just read the last. We read 1 through 10 in the beginning, so I'll read 11 and 12 because they point out a little more. Uh, out of the anguish of his soul, 
he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So even in those short two verses, we see that Christ, who Isaiah was, again, speaking about 700 years before his birth, took on the sins to make many of, of everyone, to make many accounted as righteous before God, which we can't be without having our sin taken away. And again, that he makes intercession for the transgressors. So without Christ, we'd have no one to take our sin. And then again, Isaiah 25, Psalms 16 and 22, they talk about Christ way before his birth. So with that, we'll move on to the next point, which is be ready to defend the burial of Christ. So we've defended our salvation. We've seen that we, can, we need to know our salvation and tell others about it. We've seen that uh, the death of Christ on the cross, which again, as... as uh, Darren mentioned earlier, is foolishness. Dying on a cross was not the way you wanted to die, not the way anyone would want to die, and anyone talking about following someone who died on the cross was foolish. Um, but we need to be ready to defend not only his death on the cross, but also the burial. Why is the burial important? Well, if someone died today, and I said that you didn't know, and I said, hey, they've, they've died... Uh, how would you find them? I, I, I've, we've, Susan and I have had to research this before with some of her family. Where we said, where were they buried? Well, we look at online. There's findyourgrave.com, I think, where you can, <laughs> you can uh, or findagrave.com, uh, <laughs> not yours. <laughs> Hopefully not yours, but you can, uh, you can look up where anyone's grave is, and you can see pictures of it well, in the same way. If Christ wasn't buried, who's to say that he ever died? Who's to say that he ever raised? Uh, you know, in, in those days, most of the time when you died on the cross, uh, not, not so much in Israel, but outside of Israel, when, when someone died on a cross, they were just left there to be eaten by animals and then taken down whatever was left of them. Or in Israel, because they didn't, uh, want the dead body hanging around, they, they would pull it down and throw it into a common grave. Well, if Christ had been thrown into a common grave, no one could say, oh, there's Christ's body right there because no one would know which one was him. Whereas with the grave, with the tomb, and in Isaiah 53, it mentioned him being buried with a rich man, which as we see in the New Testament is Joseph of Arimathea taking him and putting him in his personal grave. We know where Christ was buried, not only that, but it was sealed in and there were soldiers guarding it as we're going to learn in a couple weeks in Easter. And we know he was resurrected because he was buried because there's no way those soldiers would have let anyone by if it wasn't a miraculous thing. So with that, we'll move on to my last point. Uh, unfortunately, pr point three was my shortest point. <laughs> so Christ's resurrection is key because Many times, there's some people will die for other people. We have uh, people in here who have served in the military. Uh, there's 
Uh, I'm not sure if we have any police officers here. Well, we have uh, Jim <laughs> at the airport. Um, so, but many times police officers or soldiers will die for their country. Many times people will die protecting other, other people. But does this make atonement for those people? It saves their lives right then, but it doesn't save their lives eternally like Christ. And the reason we need him to resurrect is he conquered that death. We don't have to worry if we follow Christ about dying anymore. We may die. Christ may come back before we die. But either way, we know death is conquered and we will live eternal with Christ. So it's key to be able to follow a living God and not a dead man. In uh, Psalm 16.10, it says, For you would not abandon my soul to Sheol, which is the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. So again, it's, it's God speaking about Jesus, saying even when he dies, he's going to be resurrected. In, uh, if, if Christ had not raised, who would we believe? Because who do we believe in? Who would we believe? Because the Jews would just say, oh, he didn't raise, and uh, we'd have to agree if he didn't. But he did. So in it, Jesus predicts, uh, again, it says according to the scriptures that he was raised on the third day. So Jesus predicts his third day resurrection by using Jonah in Matthew 12, 38 through 42, which is, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a s- for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. So just as Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights and because of and was raised from the dead. And because of that and many more scriptures, we know that the whole Bible was leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. And then on from there, his returning. Uh, after he was raised, we have witnesses. Uh, Paul talks about him appearing to Cephas, who was Peter, the 12 disciples, who Peter was one of them, the apostles, who were also the 12 disciples, and maybe possibly the apostles meant sent one, so it could be many more than just the 12. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, and then 500 brothers, and finally to Paul after Jesus ascended to heaven. Uh, he appeared to Paul. And so in a court of law back then, uh, in, in Jewish law, you only need three witnesses to prove something. In a court of law today, if you had 500 witnesses coming on the court, on the court saying, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus rose from the dead, I think no jury would deny that Jesus rose from the dead. So we know from the witnesses, from the scriptures, Jesus came to earth sinless to die and to be risen again. So if we go to the conclusion now, which I may be 
may be preaching too fast. <laughs> um, we've taught, we went over four, four uh, defenses of Christ's gospel. The first one is be ready to defend your salvation. Know that Christ died, was buried, and was raised again. Uh, know that we can tell others about this and uh, they can be saved from sin and death. Be ready to defend the cross of Christ, the death of Christ for our sins. Uh, be ready to tell others about that and to defend that it actually happened. Be ready to defend the burial of Christ for our sins. Uh, be ready to tell others that Jesus did indeed get buried after he died and we can point to his tomb. Be ready to defend the resurrection of Christ, which, again, is the key to Christ saving us. Uh, and then be ready to defend because of the resurrection. I didn't include this in my four points, but we need to be ready for Christ's return. So if those of us who believe, we are ready for Christ's return. We are ready to look. I, I read in, in Luke today, um, that Jesus, when he returns, he will return on the clouds and we're to look up and our redemption will be near. So again, good news, gospel. Our redemption is near. Jesus, Revelation says Jesus is returning soon. In uh, Colossians 1, 18 it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he is the beginning. The beginning implies it's going to keep going. So if we, if Christ is resurrected, we will be resurrected too if we're not here when he returns, if we know him, if we have accepted and been saved by the gospel. And that is why we must tell others about the gospel. So those of you here who have never accepted the gospel, if, if anyone is here who's never accepted the gospel, I urge you today to accept it, to follow Jesus and be saved because otherwise, like we talked about earlier, you'll end up in a place of God's wrath. Hebrews 10.30 says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. God is a God of vengeance. He does not let your sin go unpunished if you have no intercessor for it. And again, the verse says, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So part of the gospel is being saved from falling into the hands of the living God, which if anyone as we know from the Old Testament, if anyone saw God, they would die. And uh, if he's that holy, we need salvation. So I urge any one of you who has not given your life to Christ to be, for him to be your Lord and Savior to do so today. And we'll have uh, deacons and Pastor Darren ready to pray with you if you are interested during the, the song. And uh, I again apologize for being done a little early, but we. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so be ready. Be ready to defend the cross of Christ and be ready.
to defend your salvation. And I'd like to pray. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to pray real quick, and then we'll uh, have Gilbert come up. Father, we just praise you. Praise you for your gospel. Praise you for sending your son to uh, die for us, to be buried and to be raised again on the third day. We pray that we get to celebrate that in a couple weeks in Easter. Uh, pray that, Lord, you'll just make yourself known among uh, America and among the nations. Thank you that you sent us to preach your word and preach your gospel. And I pray that you just base our, our lives and everything we do on, uh, uh, center us on, on your gospel and on you. We lift all this up in your name, Jesus. Amen.